little bit about something that happened this week. My husband decided to take me on a date. I know, right? Wow! And um, unfortunately for him, every once in a while I get hit by serious melancholy. Just like, ugh. And it happened to happen right before he took me on a date. So by the time we got back from our date, I was like crying in my soup. All these things I'm feeling. And he's like, how did this go so horribly wrong? Of course, I couldn't answer that. Because it was probably hormones and life and, and everything else that was going on. But I was telling him just kind of how it's hard to be away from family. And it's hard to be away from my parents. And I miss my brothers. And... You know, he's like thinking, oh, you, I'm thinking of the Hannah's husband, you know, in the Bible. You have me. What else do you need? <laughs> now, he's a wise man. He didn't say that, but that did cross my mind. Uh, but anyway, this morning, I had a little bit lingering. And when I walk into this church, I'm just full all the way up with so much family. And you all, this is a good church. If you feel lonely in this church... Just keep coming, because it's going to go away. They're going to love you, and we've got family, and you can hug and love on each other. And, and I just want you to know that you have ministered to me today during meet and greet. And my poor husband had to suffer through, but y'all won't have to suffer through any melancholy, because y'all just kind of wiped it away today. So I wanted to say thank you for being such a good church family and for loving on one another the way that you do. And that has nothing to do with my message. So we're going to start off. My husband did ask me, do you have any more scriptures? Because I had quite a few. So we're going to get started, and I want you to read along with me. We're going to start with 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. We're going to move on to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of this world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. 
but it was God who made it grow. It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. And then Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, through training, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. What's going on with these scriptures? Why would Peter say, crave spiritual milk so that you will grow? And then Paul would say, I can't do anything with you. All you want is milk, not meat. It seems like the two apostles are contradicting one another. Maybe they're pushing against each other. But that's not what's going on. These scriptures are speaking to people, to believers in different stages of their life. In different stages of their journey with God. 1 Peter 2 verse 1 is speaking to a new believer. Granted, none of us want to be called babies. So I'm not going to call anybody a baby. We're going to call new believers. Someone that had just begun to experience the kindness and mercy of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's someone that's still coming to Christ. Maybe it's someone that has come to a place where they believe there's a God. But that's it. Maybe they're at a place where they believe that Jesus is God and that they need to obey Scripture. Peter is comparing them to newborn babies. They're brand new to the whole idea of, of a Savior, of belonging to God, of being His child. They had no previous understanding of choice. Maybe they didn't know that they could choose a life free from the control of sin. Understanding that, let's read 1 Peter 2, 1 again. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ. So, I don't have a bag. This is a little pot. Has any of you, have, you all, have you ever planted a plant in this pot? Believe it or not, you can sprout a seed in this pot. Okay? This pot cannot hold much. The only thing it's good for is sprouting a seed. But that's all one needs to start their journey with Jesus Christ. You only need one encounter with Jesus to change your life. You only need one encounter to start the process of getting to know Him and to begin a relationship that is life-changing. This little pot is a great start, and it's cute. It can get the job done, but only for a short amount of time. Peter is encouraging believers that have been planted in this little pot to get sprouted. He's encouraging them to crave the nutrients and the pure milk that they need to grow in their beginning walk with God. Scripture, though, doesn't say stay in this little pot. <laughs> Colossians 2, 6-7 through 7 gives us encouragement 
and instruction to the new believer. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let your roots grow down. There's no room for roots to grow in this little space. Why in the world would God start us off in such a small space? Doesn't he care about me? Why would he put me in a a pot this little? It's possible that this is the only space for some of us God could find in our lives to plant a seed. We're all full of things. Our lives are full of things. But if our roots are going to grow down, God can transplant us to a little pot that has room for some roots. This is what has to be done. We must find more space so that our relationship with God can grow. Growth requires space. If you don't walk away with anything today but that, say it with me. Growth requires space. space. Without the knowledge that we need more space, we might leave our little sprouted plant in that little pot, the teeny tiny pot, and it would die. Paul understood this. The believers needed to grow in their faith and that we needed some things to help us grow. And in Ephesians 1, 15 through 17, he says, Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. We want to grow. We don't want to stay. You can't. Can you imagine a plant or a tomato plant producing you tomatoes out of this little pot? It might be super cute while the the plant's like this big, but if you leave it here, it's not going to grow. Believers need spiritual wisdom and insight for growth. It takes time to gain spiritual wisdom and insight. Does anybody believe that? It takes time to learn anything, and it takes time to get wisdom. But we must create space in our lives to learn. As new believers, we need time, and all believers, to study the Bible, to learn from those that have wisdom and insight, to make prayer a part of our daily life, and to take advantage of opportunities to be with church family. But how do we make space? What if this is all we've got in our life for God? Well, if we go back to what Peter said, he encouraged new believers to push evil behavior out of their lives and to fill the space with a life of kindness. So there's things in our life that we have to push out. If I push out some things... I might have a little more space. And if I have a little more space, then I can grow something else. I can grow a little bigger. In Ephesians 3, 14 through 17, Paul encouraged believers. He said, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources... He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. 
Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. We don't have unlimited resources, but God does. And he will grow roots, our roots deep down into his love and keep us strong if we let him. Paul knew that to be strong we must be rooted and grounded in God. And good, strong roots need room to grow. And again, that requires more space because growth requires space. I want to look back at our second passage here that we read originally, 1 Corinthians 3.1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. I'm not so sure I would have appreciated Paul speaking to me that way, especially read by a letter in front of the whole church. I would have, I would have preferred a private consultation with Pastor Paul in the office to point out my negatives and my flaws. Paul wasn't that kind of pastor. He just let it all hang out. (laughs) Thankfully, Paul's not my pastor. (laughs) But Paul is addressing believers that have not made room in their lives for growth. It doesn't mean they're not, haven't grown. It doesn't mean they haven't made it to this pot. Paul's not condemning their walk with God. He's not condemning them for where they've been, what they've come from, or how far they've come. He's just saying, it's time to grow. So Paul is talking to them about getting into a bigger pot. Sometimes when we live for God and we want to grow, we can't understand why we're not growing. We look around and we're like, what's, why am I, what, what's wrong with me? This isn't where I plan to be. When I was charting out my great journey with God, this isn't where I was supposed to end up. Paul is speaking to people that, consciously or unconsciously, were still holding on to some sin. They were allowing this sin to control their decisions. They couldn't grow because they gave their space to something else. They gave their space to sin. Maybe they were still things from their former life. Maybe there were things that they legitimately struggled with. Before their life with Jesus, something still had control of their space. And this was keeping them spiritually bound to an amount of space that would cause them to be what we know today as root bound. Do we have any gardeners in here? Yeah, well, I'm not one either, so So I'm in good company. But I did research what root bound means. And it means when a plant is kept in a container too long, the roots can't grow out like they're supposed to. If they were in the ground, if they were in a field, their roots would grow out, they would grow down, and they would, the whole plant could thrive. But a plant that's stuck in the pot too long begins to twist and rotate and grow in on itself into a kind of a ball. You can free a plant that's been root-bound. Sometimes it'll die. But you can take, they say, a sharp knife, and you go around real carefully, and you have to cut the roots that are attached to the plot, pot, and then you pull it out. And then 
you have two options. You can take your fingers and pull the roots and they'll break and pull them so that they can grow out. But if they're too tight together, you have to take a knife and you have to begin to cut half inch all around the plant, half inch slits, and you have to cut an X into the bottom. So that they're, and then you have to pull the roots so that they will go back to growing the way they were supposed to. When sin is controlling our decisions, we can't grow spiritually. We end up all tangled because we're trying to live two lives, trying to be in two worlds. And the only thing that it produces is confusion and frustration. If we do not want to be root-bound and we want to grow, we must give God permission to work on us. We must allow him to remove us from the confines of the space that we're in. And we must allow him to break the control of sin that's upon us. He can untangle us and help us grow. Now I want to recap just a little bit because I don't want to get lost in the pots. Okay? Our first scripture was about new believers learning and growing in Christ. Just as babies drink milk, gain strength and grow, new believers should desire the full experience of salvation and grow in the kindness and mercy of Jesus Christ. Then our second scripture reveals that we cannot stay new believers. We can't stay in the teeny tiny pot, but we must grow, and we must grow to a place where sin is not controlling our lives. By creating more space for growth and obeying God's word, we can begin to mature in our relationship with Christ. And our third scripture we read has one more warning. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. The author of Hebrews is clearly stating that believers should grow to a place that they are then producing, passing on what they know to others. We should not be happy only to consume the good things God has for us, but we should be sharing what we have with others, teaching and training others. But that can only happen if we create more space to grow. God isn't going to come out and just shove everything out of our life and say, I'm removing all of these things in your life for you to make space for me. It would be easier at times if we could just say, God, I surrender to you. Just take it all away. It'd be easy for about two minutes till he started taking stuff away. And then we'd be like, hello, who do you think you are? That's my thing. That's part of who, who am I without that? And God knows. He created us, and he understands how sin works, humanity works. So we have to create space. Only mature believers will take time to train themselves, to learn, to grow, so that they can recognize the difference between right and wrong and teach others. Other scriptures that you are probably more familiar with are scriptures about bearing fruit. You've heard people preach, talk, you've heard in discipleship class, we are to bear fruit. It takes a maturing plant to produce good fruit. And it takes a believer that is mature to discern truth 
and to teach truth to others. Ephesians tells us what happens when a believer is growing in maturity and giving space in their life to God. This scripture is not talking about a believer that has arrived. It's talking about a believer that is growing and maturing in Christ. Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that, my wonderful church family, is why we should be what we should all be working towards, growing together so we can help one another, that we're a healthy body of Christ, that everybody's constantly growing. Scripture said, growing in every way more and more like Christ and helping others, parts of the body grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So whether you are this teeny tiny pot today, that's nothing to be embarrassed of. God's doing a work in your life. Whether you've grown, and you've grown, and you've grown, and you're this pot today. Some of us can be like, I made it. Look at me. Look at all these roots I've got. But no matter where we are in God, it's still time to grow. I didn't have any more pretty pots. We can get bigger. And right about the time we think, I've learned everything I can to learn. I've grown. I've been living for God all this time. God's like, yeah! Look what I found for you to be planted in! And after that, he has fields he'll plant us in. We're not even in a pot anymore. And then we're like, God, what are you doing? It's scary out here. But today, I felt to bring you a simple word, and that is at Newark UPC, it's time to grow. I'm not talking about growing in numbers. I'm not talking about trying to expand our building. I'm talking about it's time for each and every one of us to grow. We're not meant to be root-bound. We're not meant to get comfortable in our place and in our walk with God. He didn't call us to a place of arrival. He called us to grow. Every one of us here is called to grow in Christ until we take our last breath. Paul closes his letter to the Corinthians with these words. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. We are instructed to grow Every believer should be growing. Every believer should be continually making space in their life for the things of God. A growing believer does not say, is this a sin? If I do this, is this going to send me to hell? It's not a growing believer. A growing believer would ask, is this drawing me closer to God? 
Is this allowing me to reflect Christ to those around me? Is this helping me grow? Or is this thing taking up too much space in my life? And as we examine and re-examine our whole life, there will be things that aren't sin and they're not wrong, but God's like, you need to push that aside so you have more time for my kingdom, so that you have more time for my things. And today, every person is hearing the call to grow. Those who may only believe there's a God. You may be at a place in your life where you're like, I believe there's a God, and that's all I know. Well, welcome to the church. Because you're starting, and you can sprout, and you can grow from there. You're being, you're being called today to learn about a Savior that died for you so that you could have a new life, a life without the bondage of sin, a life that is not controlled by slavery of sin. But you're being called to get to know a Savior who loves you. Those of us here who have begun to experience salvation... You're being called to make room in your life by pushing away sin and embracing the kindness and mercy of your Savior. God is saying to you, you're experiencing salvation. Keep coming. I'm proud of you. I want you to experience my mercy and my kindness as I change your life for the better. To those who have lived for God for a time, but maybe you still struggle with some part of your life that is controlled by sin, Or maybe you just still have something you want more than a walk with God. It's time to grow. It's time to make space for your Savior to help you and allow Him to deliver you from whatever is controlling your life, to allow Him to speak to you and say, come on closer to me. Let me have control. And to those who have lived for God continually, you've kept him in your life. You want him to be a part of your life. But the focus here is your life. You want God to be in your life. Your time is precious. He can only have so much of it. I speak to you today that it is time to grow. Your time is not your own, and your life is not your own. You are bought with a price, and if you refuse to grow, if you refuse to give God your time, if it continues to be your life, then you will eventually be swept away by some other wind of doctrine. Something else will catch your attention and pull you away, and you will find yourself in a place you never planned to be, living a life that you still have no control over. And to those that have worked hard to continue to grow that are constantly re-examining, I say don't stop. Continually examine and re-examine your life and ask God, how can I grow and how can I help others? Continually seek his direction, his voice, and his guidance. Because church, we must grow. Because if we don't grow, Our only option is to become root-bound and wither. We might still be alive, but we'll look sick. We'll be sick. Our leaves, if we were a plant, would begin to wither up. We might even mold. 
Some plants don't dry up. They get moldy because they sit in the water too long because the water can't drain through their roots. Every one of us here today is called to grow. And only you know which pot you're in. Only you know what needs to happen. God is not asking any of us here today to transplant to this, from this. That's actually unhealthy. If you transplant a plant from a little pot to a big pot, you are in the 90% chance you will die because it retains water and the plant isn't ready for it. It can't take it. So today, God's not saying, oh, you got to jump. Something's wrong with you. You're here and you should be here. No. God's saying, will you make space for me? He's asking you to do a little bit at a time, begin to make space. And every one of us can clean things out of our life and shove things aside and say, God, I want to grow. I want to make space for you. If you've been sitting in one pot in one place too long and you're content and you're happy to be there, remember you are in danger because God called his people to grow not to be content and sit in one place and say, I've got enough of God in my life. It's balanced real well. God didn't call us to be balanced. He called us to be consumed by his spirit and to walk in his ways and acknowledge him and let him direct our paths. As you stand together, some of you may have questions if you're a new believer. After the service, you're welcome to come into the reception room. There will be different ministers. If you have questions on how do I grow, I don't understand. We'd be happy to answer those questions. And some of us need to take a few minutes and just pray and examine ourselves and ask God, how do you want me to grow? What do I need to do? What do I need to move out to make space? Because to grow, you have to make space. And so I invite all of you today to pray. You can come to the altar and pray. You can pray where you are. If you want